coincidentally, I have three small kids, one-year-old, three-year-old, and five-year-old, and I recently tried to explain to my oldest, five-year-old one, what I did at work. The pandemic has brought some of us closer to family. So, for parents like Werner Kumans, now's probably a good time to explain their complicated job to their kids. I tried to explain to him that Daddy works on inventing new technologies that bring um, things he is obsessed with, like Netflix and YouTube, bring all the marvels, all the comics he watches inside our house by sending those over these wires. And I showed him the actual wires. And um, okay, he looked pretty baffled and was, uh, of course, happy to repeat that same message to his grandparents. But I'm not sure he fully grasped what I said, but uh, I'll probably try again in a few years. Ferner works with copper and cable wires. These metal threads catalyzed our relationship with television and phones throughout the 20th century. And they left a major fingerprint in the process. You can wrap the earth in a thin cocoon with the billions of miles of copper wires in existence. The ubiquity of copper means different things to different generations. Our grandparents installed landlines. Our parents, old tube TVs. And now we're using these wires to achieve data speeds that were previously unthinkable. We're talking about thousands of bits in the beginning versus billions of bits today. That's one million times the data rate over the same cable. Now, while many of us have shifted to working from home for the foreseeable future, the question is whether these old networks hold the key to a new era of speed and efficiency. And that's where we uh, struck upon the idea originally. Can we reuse this copper acid? Marcus Weldon is the president of Nokia Bell Labs and the corporate CTO of Nokia. He oversees the scientists who are pioneering this field of research. How much more life is there in using the old asset? What more can we do to make it as good as the new type of technology, if possible? And that's what Werner has been working on, is really, how do you take copper, this hundred-year-old thing, and make it as shiny as new? From Nokia Bell Labs, this is Future Human, a series about the human potential of technology. Today, we'll explore a unique and innovative path towards gigabit internet speeds, a path that has a lot to do with the technology invented in 1881. This episode is entitled, Old Wires, New Tricks. How's this? I recently had a video call with Werner where he explained how these two things relate. This is a wired headphone. Wired win over wireless. <laughs> Werner is just promoting his research and work. <laughs> Werner works for Nokia Bell Labs. My title is a department head of the fixed networks department in Bell Labs. Like I said earlier, he studies wires, or as they're called in his field, fixed networks. I think it's been now over about six years that I've been working in Bell Labs, and there hasn't been a single week I haven't been able to learn something new. So that's also so exciting about this field. It's constantly moving, it's constantly improving. Right now, you're probably using one of the networks that Werner works on. You have basically three types of fixed networks. The most talked about one is arguably optical fiber. Werner calls this the holy grail of fixed networks because it's extremely fast and super reliable. But what a lot of people don't know is 
you can access those same speeds on wires that were built 50 or even 100 years ago. One leverages the telephone network. So these are the wires that were used in the past to deliver your plain old telephone service signal to your house. We're talking about old copper wires. Second one uses another network, the, the cable TV network. And coaxial cables, the one that plugs into your cable box or internet modem. So you have telephone networks, you have cable TV networks, and you have optical fiber. Thanks to a technique called signal processing, telephone networks can reach speeds close to 10 gigabits per second. And that's about the same as what optical fiber can do now. And it's a million times faster compared to what these wires could provide when they were invented by Bell Labs founder, Alexander Graham Bell, in 1881. This is huge. You, you stand still, you think about what 10 gigabit connection means. You basically today don't have a single port in your devices, in your laptop, in your uh, computers, in your smartphone that can actually deal with a 10 gigabit per second connection. While almost everyone in the U.S. has access to these old networks, only 12 to 13% of households have access to true fiber connections. So you can get the same speeds through an old medium. When you blend those two things, you realize that reusing the asset that is already in the ground, copper, has an incontrovertible logic to it. It's there, it's been there for 100 years, and you don't have to up front do very much to that copper. Marcus says we can expect similar availability from fiber networks as they continue to grow. But that rollout could take decades. It basically takes 10 years for any new technology to reach reasonable coverage, meaning nationwide or approximately nationwide, because there's so much what's called civil work. Civil work means trenching, laying of ducts, blowing of fiber, connecting that fiber, powering it all up. So a decade is a lost decade, if you look at it that way, if you really want to get to broadband fast. From this angle, it's obvious why Bell Labs would want to maximize the lifespan of copper. These wires are the ideal combination of economy and innovation. Plus, it also helps to have some infrastructure in place when you're rolling out a wireless network. From your smartphone, it goes to an antenna which receives the wireless signal. From that point on, it also goes over a fixed network. So it's not wireless all the way. Wireless networks also need a lot of fixed just to make them work. Although, as obvious as it is to Marcus and Werner, maybe it's less apparent to you. In fact, our producer Max Wasserman certainly had no idea copper wires played such a big role connecting us to the internet. You explain to us how important fixed access actually is. Or how overall network traffic has skyrocketed globally during the pandemic, as more people stream, play video games, and video conference with friends, family, and colleagues. It shows you that during this pandemic, we're basically running our virtual lives over these wires. Werner's path to studying fixed networks wasn't a straight line. He earned a PhD from a university in Belgium, but he wasn't always happy with the pace of academia or how detached he felt from the impact of his research. That kind of frustrated me a little bit. And that, so after my PhD, I actually decided to go to industry and Bell Labs was the first place I started working at. And it's only there that my interest in networks actually grew. A key difference from academia was how fast Werner's research was being applied. 
you see the relevance of your research, you see the impact immediately being transferred. If it's promising, you get into a business product. Uh, there's a clear path towards valorization, towards impact to the society. And some of Werner's biggest achievements have to do with something called signal processing. In fact, it's basically the go-to method for improving fixed networks. In, in a fixed network, the channel is and always will be through the wire. So the only changes that you see are caused by temperature changes, perhaps wind oscillation. Unlike wireless, uh, but those are fixed networks are quite stable. Compared to wireless, which allows to do much more complicated or more extensive optimization. This means wired networks are the best route for increasing data speeds in, say, your home or your apartment. Ironically, the steps being taken to make buildings more efficient and less taxing on resources, all that piping and insulation and metal in your walls, make wireless signals less reliable. Basically what we're doing is we're building a nice Faraday cage. You're familiar with that term. It's like a metal cage, which makes it very hard for wireless signals to enter the house. So we're fairly reliant on wired networks. And signal processing allows for them to overcome huge obstacles. Take, for instance, crosstalk. Yes, crosstalk is the bane of all podcast It's all. It's the bane of everyone's existence. We're talking over each other. This type of interference can occur when two signals travel over the same wire. And we'd all have migraines from trying to decipher each one if researchers like Werner hadn't figured out a solution. That requires very fancy signal processing. This can be an algorithm or a hardware adjustment. Like telephone wires are twisted to reduce signal noise. Generally speaking, cleaning up a signal is considered processing. And some types of fixed networks need more of it than others. Because the signal at the other end of the wire is so distorted, you need to do a lot of mathematical and engineering tricks to be able to recover what was sent on the other side directly. Telephone wires have notoriously messy signals. But researchers have been able to boost their speed up to 10 gigabits per second, which is in the realm of fiber. Ferner says we've done as much as we can do for telephone networks, but the possibilities for cable are still vast. So cable networks, to offer the same kind of data rates, have to do much less effort. Your signal is much less distorted, so they didn't need so much signal processing as early on as telephone networks. In fact, Werner provided us with an example of how signal processing, in this case, an echo cancellation algorithm, can make data transmission more efficient. First, here's a recording of a man speaking over some live drums. A boy ran down the path. Flowers grow in the garden. Strawberry jam is sweet. The shop closes for lunch. Pretty hard to hear what's being said, right? Now, here's the same exact recording, but this time it's using the algorithm to isolate the man who's speaking. A boy ran down the path. Flowers grow in the garden. Strawberry jam is sweet. Much clearer, right? And an impressive example of modern-day beat poetry. This sort of approach can be applied to fixed-wired networks and wireless networks, like the ones we explored in the prior episode of Future Human. And it all goes back to the basic properties of waves. Whether you're talking about waves or signals over fixed wires or waves over wireless media, or even acoustic waves, they're all waves. And in particular, 
property of waves, just same as water waves, they can constructively and destructively interfere. So they can reinforce each other or they can cancel out. And that's what you exploit with beamforming, with massive MIMO, with this beamforming the crosstalk cancellation. And you can do the same thing with an audio setup, meaning that you can use multiple loudspeakers to boost signal power in one location and reduce it in another location. It's the same basic principles, but a different channel, now being the audio channel versus fixed wire channel. So it turns out you can teach old wires, like phone lines and cable, new tricks. And as Werner implies, it's possible that the same research that's powering Bell Labs advances in everyday data communication may have a profound impact on sound transmission down the road. Perhaps there's a learning from your work on copper in the acoustic domain, where sounds could be beamed to everyone individually using principles of similar physics where we remove and cancel interfering sounds and direct beams towards you so we can all have perfect sound and have the signal sort of optimized for us wherever we are without being encumbered by ear pods or earbuds or whatever. Uh, the world will talk to us individually, whispering away in a way that no one can eavesdrop on and with perfect fidelity. I look forward to our next conversation. We'll give you a couple of years to solve those problems, uh, Werner, and uh, we'll speak again. Before he starts in that new quest, though, Werner, academic-turned-alchemist, is taking stock of the advances made so far. We enabled something that was considered impossible before. To me, that's a very gratifying experience. And what makes it even more gratifying is that in the scene we're in, in Bell Labs, if those inventions are promising, they also get transferred to products in industry, and they can hopefully be used by many, many people in daily life. For more information on today's topics, please check out our show notes. And if you like this episode of Future Human, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, feel free to leave a review at Apple Podcasts so new listeners can find the show. Future Human is a production of Nokia Bell Labs. This episode was executive produced and narrated by me, Sandy Smollett, for audiation. Our producer and writer is Max Wasserman. The show was recorded and mixed at Audiation Studios in Bronxville, New York, by Matt Noble, who also composed the theme music with me. <laughs>